0: School days, school days, dear old golden rule days. Up in the morning and off to school,
1: the teacher is teaching the golden rule. American history and practical math, studying hard and in the past
2: School's back in session. It's almost Labor Day, which means Celebrate Anderson is almost here. And a look at how much is hospitality worth to economic development in Anderson County. All this and more on today's Anderson Observer podcast, News from People You Trust. It is the August 21st, 2016 edition of the podcast. Well, the days are growing short, and that means the kids and teachers are back in school And please tell me cooler weather's on the way. It seems like maybe it is. I did get a chance to talk to all the superintendents, and I'll be running those interviews shortly. And we'll talk more about school then. I do want to remind everybody that Celebrate Anderson is less than two weeks away, and this year will feature none other than the Charlie Daniels Band. They'll be in concert along with fireworks and rides for the kids and a number of other activities, including the great annual fireworks show. And the best part of all is all the activities and the parking are free. It's always Anderson County's gift to this community. And Celebrate Anderson is always a great time. So come on out and bring the family and say hello if you see me. This should be a great one this year. And if you are planning to bring a picnic or some food out there to the event, stop by the Anderson County Farmer's Market where they've got watermelons coming in now. Peaches are still plentiful. There's still some tomatoes, peppers. Onions, a little bit of everything. I also saw some pumpkins for the first time this past week. Remember, they're open Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. And go by there and fill you up a basket of great locally owned produce while it's still in full season because it'll be gone before you know it. Hey, in other news this week, I wanted to give a shout out to the Market Theater in Anderson, which is down there behind the Farmer's Market. They've hosted a comedy, swing dancing, full play productions, all sorts of things. They even offer classes for newbies who want to participate in any of those things. And on Monday night, they have auditioning auditions for Willy Wonka and the Cho- Chocolate Factory. So if you're a thespian or a wannabe thespian, or if you just want to act in a play, show up at 6 p.m. for tryouts. It uh, should be a lot of fun. It'll be interesting to see who they cast as Willy Wonka, who's always one of the weirdest people in all the movies. And speaking of plays, I also want to mention that the Electric City Playhouse is still doing Arsenic and Old Lace*. So that'll run through this coming weekend, so if you had not got a chance to get out there to see that show, I've heard good things about it. Uh, This weekend also brings a new date for Anderson's signature running event, the Midnight Flight. been going on a long time, and they're doing it earlier this year. Uh, And, of course, this weekend is also the always wonderful Springwater Festival in Williamston. So plenty to do. And if you're looking for something to do, and they say the weather actually might be a little cooler this week, so we will see. Thursday, will bring the last of the downtown block, block parties, the Main Street block parties. It's the last one of the summer at Carolina Wren Park give another huge thanks to Kerry jones for his efforts to keep this thing going all these years as a volunteer he didn't get paid to do this he actually ends up losing money doing this so don't don't miss the last one of 2016 some great music uh, if you got kids who like to play that's a great place to take your family and like i said so right now as we sit, the weather forecast is supposed to be pretty nice shouldn't be too hot out there and then on Friday, the Anderson Touchdown Club kicks off their season at the library. You know, they have lunch starting at 1130, and the speaker, and then they've got a lot of big speakers coming this year, and people like Danny Ford and some other um, big-name speakers. So you want to get out there and check that out. They've been doing this a long time. It's a great place to meet people. If you want to see who's who in Anderson, get out to the Touchdown Club. And also going on this week, there are some councilmen Holding Town meetings in these days ahead, and... There's always something to attend around Anderson. The uh, best place to find out information on any of these is probably Facebook, or you can look, check out the latest uh, issue of the Anderson Observer News from People You Trust to see the calendar every single day with listings and links that are updated daily. Now, before we get to school days, I do want to talk about the proposed hospitality tax in Anderson County. There's been a lot of talk about this. It's sort of water cooler talk, talk in restaurants. I've heard people discussing it among themselves uh, different tables uh, anderson county council took the first step toward a countywide hospitality tax a couple of weeks ago during the tuesday night meeting and it seemed like emotions were about to override some crucial important facts as we as it got going um, the fact is anderson county is in serious need of a hospitality tax to do the things we need to do and even though it passed that night four to three there was kind of a lot of hemming and hawing and feigned confusion about the tax even though it's been discussed on and off for a couple of years now, more, at least a couple of years, probably longer than that, and sure, there's always details to hammer out, but that's not the issue. The idea of did we need one or should it be put up to some other uh, event to uh, decide on it seemed to be a little, a little more confusing than it should have been. Almost every large county and many of the smaller ones in South Carolina already have a hospitality tax, including most of Anderson's neighboring counties. And the reason for that is, is the hospitality tax brings in millions of dollars each year without adding any burden to taxpayers. Well, people say that's a, there is a burden to taxpayers. No, there's no burden to ta- to landowners, property owners. The only burden is you pay two pennies per dollar when you eat out in a restaurant that's in the incorporated areas of the county. Um Cities have already discovered this. According to the South Carolina, South Carolina Municipal Association, their fiscal year 2014-15, those cities in the state with hospitality tax received $125.4 million in additional revenue. And that's without raising taxes, again, on property owners. And right here in Anderson, the city of Anderson generated nearly $2.5 million in revenue from its own hospitality tax in 2015 so, Anderson leadership has worked hard to dig out from under the economic collapse of 2008 that really affected us here in Anderson, and they've managed to rebuild the county's infrastructure and job base in a remarkable fashion with very, very few increases to the taxpayers. Uh, I think uh, Anderson County Councilman uh, Chairman Tommy Dunn brought, that, brought this up Tuesday night, uh, talking about how they've kept costs down. The current council has shown a lot of prudence before implementing any increases to local taxpayers. And they've generally found more creative ways to continue to help the county grow and prosper without adding to the tax burden of citizens. Now, at the core of that strategy, though, has been the county's continued success in economic development. Not enough can be said about the fact that Anderson County, this is a fact people don't get, Anderson County has the most international investment of any county in South Carolina. That's right. The most international investment of any county in South Carolina they have more than fifty companies here from twenty three different nations and they're looking at a couple adding a couple of they say adding a couple of flags that means a couple of new countries are looking at putting businesses here it's a sterling accomplishment and something that needs to be talked about a lot more than it is i don 't hear many people talking about that and i don 't think most people know it when I tell them they're really surprised Anderson county's economic development director Burris Nelson and Anderson county Administrator Rusty Burns have done an amazing job working to keep the county at the top or near the top of the list of companies, both domestic and international, that are looking for a new place to locate or a place for a, a new company to open, a new new uh, site to open. We brought headquarters for international companies here. Look, Anderson County's natural assets have helped in this endeavor. No no question about it. We have a temporal climate. We have four distinct seasons. None of them are too terribly, but this summer seems certainly seemed like one. We have access to major interstate arteries. And then, of course, Hartwell Lake is there be really hard to ignore that our county is has what people are looking for as a place to work and live but great as those things are times are changing and competition is getting more fierce the natural assets we have are just not enough in this competitive world of recruiting companies for good jobs with good pay so working with council nelson and burns have worked really hard to find incentives and other things to distinguish anderson from other parts of the world giving companies few are no reasons to look elsewhere. And so far, it's worked really well. But that competition is getting more intense. And while financial incentives and great natural location, all those assets are important, one of the key factors in recruiting industry today, especially international companies, is being able to offer the amenities which lead to a better quality of life. It's something people are used to, particularly if they're coming from Europe, um, where a lot more is spent on recreation and, and things for their citizens. It is one of the key things. So you're going to have, you know, cost, obviously, at the top of the list, and the next thing is probably workforce, and then the third thing is, is quality of life. And those issues have really risen over the years from further down that list. Of course, our schools are a part of that. Uh, the current council has done more than any in recent memory to work in conjunction with our public schools and superintendents, technical schools, local colleges, and university to make Anderson a work-friendly location. But it takes more than good schools and interstates and a lake. Uh, it takes a commitment to improving the quality of life issues through recreation opportunities, so potential businesses and their employees who might eventually call Anderson home will want to call Anderson home. Look around you, look at the other counties that are comparable to us, and there are far more recreational opportunities, particularly for their citizens who are already there. And they, it's something people look at. And while the county has made progress when compared to Some of our neighboring counties, those with hospitality taxes, we're lagging in recreational opportunities and those things which do improve those, quote, unquote, quality of life issues, both for our current citizens and also for those companies evaluating communities which are committed to providing such opportunities. Um, We could very easily have uh, something like Swamp Rabbit Trail here in in Anderson if we just had the the funding to do it and, and, and the drive behind it. Uh, working with money from a settlement, the Green Pine Landing has quickly risen to national prominence. as one of the top fishing lakes in America. However, though phase one of the project has been completed, there's a whole lot left to be done at that site that there's, there's no funding for. Um, right now, it's essentially a tremendous great boat launch place, uh, great boats launch ramp, and great parking lot facilities and places to set up things. But with the national spotlight on this site, Anderson could miss a huge opportunity to make it the jewel of the south, If we don't get the proper funding to complete the plans for the property at Green Pond, making it something not only eminently usable for our citizens here year round, but also making it a signature recreation site for all of Hartwell Lake. And the window to do this is not going to be open forever. People think, you know, this goes on forever. Next, the new county industrial park in Sandy Springs is going to be another key part of the future of our economic development in the county. And the quality of life issues are going to play a major role in the kind of companies that will be attracted to that site. Other Anderson County facilities and parks are also in need of major upgrades and maintenance. As the folks in Parks Department continue to create free accessible facilities for all our citizens, they're working on shoestring budgets, which often leaves a lot of things undone. There are so many, too, kids that don't have uh, recreational opportunities. They're part of working poor families. They don't have YMCA. They can't afford it. There's there's things they can't afford that the county can't help provide. Um a lot of kids in working-class families just don't have those, those kind of opportunities, and it could be a game-changer for local folks as well as for economic development. So in the long run, it's really Pennywise and Dollar Foolish to suggest that a 2% hospitality tax needs more study at this point. I made calls to seven counties that are re- relatively comparable to Anderson in terms of population and, and budgets. They all have hospitality taxes, and in every single county, they said the impact has been overwhelmingly positive for its citizens. Uh, each of these counties also far exceeded expectations in hospitality tax revenue in their first year. You know they've been saying probably estimating two million their first year. Anderson County probably would do three three point five to four million if you look at the hard numbers and the number of restaurants we have in unincorporated areas. Uh, people coming through for Clemson games, all the home games this year, we hit all those restaurants out along the edge of eighty five plus the barbecue places up and down Clemson Boulevard. Uh, anything that's outside the city limits in unincorporated areas of the county. Um, are going to be huge financial assets just once we get this hospitality tax passed and in place. But despite some rambling discussion during the last couple of council meetings, uh, putting the hospitality tax in place is not a done deal. Despite what some of the discussion kind of slipped into, the whole idea is just not that complicated. A hospitality tax is a uniform tax on 2% of the gross proceeds derived from the sales of prepared meals Food and beverages sold in or by establishments are those licensed for on-premises consumption of alcoholic beverages, beer, wine, and Anderson. So if you have a restaurant and you serve food on-site or drink, it's going to cost them two cents more than a dollar. We don't have any outrageously priced restaurants in Anderson compared to some parts of the country. There There are no $150 steak dinners in Anderson County. So two cents on the dollar. If you can afford to eat out, you can afford two cents on the dollar to invest in the future of the county. So the definition is not confusing. If you have a business that serves food on site, your customers are going to just pay those two extra pennies per dollar spent. It is a stretch to suggest that those who can afford to dine out cannot absorb an extra 2% tax, which will be directly invested back into the community in concrete ways, which will be profitable to everybody without adding to the tax burden, again, of property owners who seem to be the first place that many places, many uh, elected officials go to 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 fund things. Arguments against the tax have been very vague and emotion-based. Um, It was surprising uh, that council members, most of whom have been discussing this issue for some time now, really several years, would suddenly feel the need to ask for more feedback from constituents. This was not tried to slip by anybody. It was posted on Friday. There's three readings. People have had plenty of chance to talk. It just seems like a few loud, barking voices, the same ones who oppose any increase in anything for any reason and generally oppose progress in general, have gotten more attention than they deserve. Look, when you have a, a forum asking people, should we raise a tax or not? The people who are going to show up are going to be, be the people who are against it. That's just the way things always seem to, to play out. But remember, an elected official is a steward of his office, not a proxy of the voters. So while they represent the interest of the voters in their district, they're really responsible for the current and future health of the county for all citizens that they represent. Citizen input is important, but sometimes there's a greater good than voter opinion, and that's why we have elected representatives in Anderson County who are stewards of the county, not proxy voters for those in their district. And unlike the recent issue, like recently they had a, a uh, issue of how to, to change council members' terms from two to four years, which is very well suited for a referendum since they're not doing anything to benefit or, or hurt themselves. Elected the, the county council chose to do that, so there'll be a referendum on that. However, elected officials' primary duty is not is to do what's best for Anderson County with an eye towards the present and the future. This is not an issue that needs to go to referendum. We don't need to keep throwing things out into referendum when, when they're pretty clearly to benefit everyone in the county. And it doesn't take a crystal ball to see that continued success in economic recruitment will be far more difficult if we don't do something and do it pretty soon. Uh, We've got long underfunded recreation opportunities and those other things which impact our quality of life that need addressing, and unless we want to raise the the taxes on land property owners, then we're going to have to find other sources of revenue. Uh, We we have a history of, over the years, of making some odd decisions. You know, Anderson passed on the railroad. We lost the airport. We lost BMW. We've had a number of things. Of course, the railroad we lost because we said we didn't want the noise over here, so some of our uh, historical uh, city and county fathers were not very, had, didn't have very much foresight. We don't have that anymore. However, as recent as when the Civic Center was built, we were short sighted again. They paid $50,000 for a study, this is the county paid for this study, to suggest what should be built on the site of the current C- Civic Center. The findings of that study, which was an independent group, found that a 12,500 seat arena instead of a concrete trade center floor would be in the black in less than five years. Uh, They also found that uh, um, if you built a concrete uh, floor there with a trade center, there was no potential uh, profit for 15 years further on out. It was only the creative minds who later added an amphitheater, a kid venture playground, and a walking track that salvaged something from that poorly conceived decision. We can't afford to be that short-sighted today. Uh, If we had built the 12,500-seat arena, there'd never been a by center, bond-secure center. We would have the spot between Atlanta and and Charlotte. And we can still have that spot for economic development, for recreational activities, and, of course, at Green Pond to build that into a world-class place beyond what it is. And the hospitality tax offers that opportunity to be visionary and to make progress in finding those funds, which will significantly benefit the future of Anderson County. There's no doubt about it. There's a so little, mo- little bit of money and so many needs, but the county council is faced with either maintaining status quo and the risk of losing some major economic development partners or to continue to improve Anderson County and its quality of life for its present potential c- citizens. So those new initiatives are going to take money, and the hospitality tax will take care of that. It'll be funded by everybody who beats out and visits, which, which in other words, will be a whole lot of visitors to the county and not just people who live here in Anderson County. So county council members should allow cooler heads and facts to prevail and investigate the long-term advantages of instituting this hospitality tax and not allow some loud voices to shout it down. Again, elected officials are stewards, not proxies. There's a re- two readings of this left at County Council. There'll be one a week from Tuesday night, and then another one two weeks from that. Call your council, county council member and tell them that you support progress in Anderson County. You can find their numbers on the webpage, the and uh, SC.com webpage, and check them out. And remember that uh, you're looking to the future of Anderson. You expect them to do the same. Because I really... Also, I wanted to mention, I did talk to several merchants in the city who've been participating in the city's hospitality tax for a couple of years now. And they uniformly said it had zero impact on their business. So if you've been downtown for lunch or dinner lately, you've likely had to wait. (laughs) You've witnessed this for yourself. And with new restaurants on the way, there is just not much you can't find to eat in downtown Anderson. But that said... My favorite sponsor and the pioneer who kicked off the whole revitalization of downtown Anderson and who make people want to eat downtown Anderson and still the best place to eat, Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill, is at the forefront of all this. they got some new menu items that have been added to their favorites, and nobody else can touch the food at Sullivan's, and that's why they were one of only... Two restaurants in South Carolina named among best restaurants in America. They named the top 100 restaurants in America, Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill, is on that list. And they're one of only two in South Carolina. That's also why they've been featured many times in publications in culinary magazines. From, and then from Southern Living to the Wall Street Journal, all over the place, is the place to eat in South Carolina and in the South. So people drive from, from all over at Sullivan's. But did you also know that Sullivan's offers catering at prices that most people would not believe? That They are more competitive than most of the caterers in town. They have some same great food for your event, wedding, business, whatever, that can be had by catering from Sullivan's. I've talked to at least two people who chose Sullivan's Catering and said they save more than $10 per person versus several other quotes from area caterers. Give them a call, 226-8945, or visit their Facebook page for more information. And tell them you heard about it on the Anderson po- Reservoir Podcast, News from People You Trust. So if you are looking for a great place to eat or need catering, check out Sullivan's on Facebook for their information. Bill Nickus and his wife Sabre are great people. They give back to this community in ways nobody would believe. They've set a high standard for dining in downtown Anderson for nearly 20 years. And it just keeps getting better. Speaking of getting better, it is school time again. Uh, there's a lot going on. Anderson University students moved in over the weekend. Clemson started classes last week. All five Anderson County school districts have started class. Uh, it's one of those great times of year that probably brings back great memories to everyone who ever picked up a Blue Horse tablet and a number two pencil. Uh, I remember school year starting every year as being one of the most exciting times. Those lunches your mom would pack, and back in my day it was, you know, New Lone Ranger or Superman Lunchbox, something like that. Or And you'd always break the thermos the first week because they had those cheap glass thermos <laughs> things they had. But you also got to see your school friends again. You got to come into the classroom and you smell the chalk dust and you got to see where you're going to sit and all that. A lot of the kids don't experience this much anymore because they text their friends year-round. They don't carry a lunchbox or at least one with a hero on it. And who uses chalk anymore except maybe an art class? But it is an eventful time of year for public schools in South Carolina. And they're adjusting to several new things. But one of the biggest is the 10-point grading system. Uh, The 10-point grading system is going to be a real shift and all five districts have said that they're going to make moves to make sure that it's still the grades are still meaningful even with the ten point system. But this year is bringing that grading system, some new buildings, new teachers, administrators, and high school football is back on the fields already. So that week week zero they call it is is in the books, and next week is is week week one. Still so haven't figured that one out. But I did get a chance to talk to all five county superintendents about the upcoming year, and I will let them tell you in their words what the important thing is coming in each district, and I started with Anderson County School District uh, 1 Superintendent, David
0: Havard. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Anderson School District 1, and it's certainly my privilege to be the Superintendent of Anderson School District 1, which serves a community that values education. Specifically, uh, we have three unique communities in our district, the Palmetto area, the Wren area, and the Pattersville area. In the Palmetto area, serving there is Palmetto High School. Meadow Middle, Pamela Elementary, and also West Pelzer Elementary and Cedar Grove serve this, that community. As we move up um, Highway 8, we have the Wren High School, the largest school in Anderson School District 1. That is surrounded by Wren Middle School, Wren Elementary, um, Hunt Meadows Elementary, and Spearman All-Feed, the, the um, Wren School area. Uh, Going up 85, the northern part of Anderson 1 is our newest school, Pottersville High School, that is surrounded by Pottersville Middle, Pottersville Elementary, and Concrete Primary School. And Anderson School District also has the Career and Technology Center that serves all three of our high schools. And we have almost 10,000 students and about a little over 1,000 employees that are serving our students and each of those areas communities and employees have a deep commitment to serving students in anderson one to make sure that we're preparing them to be college and career ready for the future um, I, I i think when we're talking about overall in a vision first of all um there's a deep commitment to children in anderson school district one and i think that is embodied in a lot of our results um Really, no matter what results you look at, whether it be test results, graduation results, Anderson School District One always seems to um, strive to do our best, and 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 there's somehow um, there's always a sustained, relentless, deep commitment to improving, getting better, despite the ups and downs of the education profession or funding. We just have a deep commitment to improving and getting better, and I think that is uh, symbolized by. By this past year, um, 13 out of 14 of our schools had excellent on their report cards. The previous year, 12 out of 14. Um, I mentioned earlier the graduation rate at 92, which is obviously among the very highest in the, in the state of South Carolina. Um, I also think um, that our digital inno- innovation initiative, which this year will be our third year, has certainly illustrated our commitment to the future to make sure that we as a school district are integrating instruction with technology and preparing our students to be college and career ready. Um, and, and we're very proud of that commitment to what with what we've done with iPad initiatives and again, the digital initiative. And um, our staff members have worked uh, tirelessly to improve their technology skills so again, that integration from instruction to te- technology is happening only daily basis in Anderson School District 1. I truly it, it believe it is our responsibility to certainly encourage and motivate our students to be college and career ready. The Anderson 1 and 2 Career and Technology Center is a huge part of, of our preparation. There is um, 20 programs of study there. We have. Um, 1,900 and 2,000 students uh, that go to the Career Center, and they are working very hard to prepare students uh, to be obviously career-ready. We're very excited about many of our programs over there. Um, The health occupations is probably one of our largest. The project lead the way. Uh, We recently started a megatronics class. Of course, we've had Wel- weld there automotive automotive tech, and uniquely, the Megatronics automotive tech and welding um, have a, we have a partnership um, with Tri County, and and those students have are earning their not only their high school degrees but earning college credit to one they will earn by the time they finish their their certification in that particular field, but also one year toward their two year degree. And, and, and the dual credit is totally paid for by a grant through the legislature, which was um, we've worked hard with and, and actually Representative Brian Wright. Brian White spearheaded that, and that is a unique and very positive opportunity for our students. But a lot of the uh, career technology programs are all project-based, actively learning, heavily involved with practicums and internships, and it absolutely gives our students uh, a great start on being college, it, college, it, are career ready in whatever field they choose, with the obviously the option of having uh, 19 to 20 programs available to them year in and year out. They are high-paying jobs. High-paying jobs with those, in many kinds of those technical skills or technological skills. Oftentimes, employees are starting them out at 45 to 50 thousand dollars a year, and 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 our parents are well aware of that. Our students know that. Companies like Bosch come in and explain that to them and are ready, ready, willing, and ready to hire those particularly Megatronic students right out of their high school uh, end of the year program.
2: Uh, anything particularly looking forward to this school year?
0: Um, we are. We we actually have um, uh, probably about five goals that we're working on in Anderson School District 1 a, as we prepare for the 2016-2017 year. Um, as you well know, we need to successfully implement the 10-point grading scale. That is new across the state of South Carolina, and in Anderson 1, we implemented in grades 3 through 12. That would be the first thing. I mentioned earlier this will be the third year of our digital innovation initiative and we expect it to be the best year as we work, again, integrating technology with our instruction program and using the iPads and all the creative opportunities that are provided there with the iPads. Uh, I think thirdly, we are continually doing a lot of professional development, staff support for instruction, standards, and integration of technology. most importantly, there will always be a strong commitment and initiative to school safety in and Anderson 1. that That is always on the forefront of what we do here, and and you will see even a stronger commitment. We've added additional cameras, security doors, and, and a priority on training our staff members with the ALICE um, Violent Intruder Training Drill. Very important. And I think, as you well know, we want our students to be able to come to Anderson One, feel safe, and, and have that normal environment that certainly is positive and creates all kinds of learning opportunities. Um, I think, uh, fifthly, um, it is such a pleasure that our, um, and privilege that the citizens in Anderson County approved the local option sales tax uh, initiative about 18 months ago. So um, we, fortunately, in Anderson 1, we have four major building projects that we have ongoing this year that we, our, our desire is to get completed as we um, end the year. And specifically, that is a new addition at Concrete Primary School, which is one of our largest elementary schools, about a $2.5 million addition there, eight-room addition. Uh, secondly, we will be building new tennis courts in the Pottersville and Wren area for our student-athletes that work there, and they have not actually had tennis courts located at their school facility. So we're looking forward to that. Um, Thirdly, we'll be uh, adding on to the Wren High Stadium with a new weight room and locker room facility. And then fourthly, we'll be building a multi-purpose athletic facility at Palmyra High School. So and we'll be doing um, a myriad of other instructional initiatives, academic initiatives with that money. So um I, I am just so grateful to the to the voters for approving that on behalf of the students throughout the county and certainly um, our students in Anderson One are benefiting greatly from from that initiative and um I'm it's just a pleasure to have that opportunity to do that and look at, and be able to provide both academic, um, athletic, and other fine, heart, fine art enhancements along with technology and other things that are vital to preparing our students for, for the future. I, I think, and as it relates to education and, and funding, that seems to always be at least a challenge for us in Anderson 1. Um, I would say many individuals, um, patrons, citizens, don't realize, but Anderson School District 1 is funded at among the lowest rate rate in in the state, actually, uh, on a per-pupil basis. So funding has always been a challenge for us, Um, and that's why the local option sales tax has been such a bonus, a big, important initiative for us in Anderson 1. That's uh, just... You know, being good stewards of our money is just been ingra- always ingrained in our culture of our district and and our board um, our finance department does does a wonderful job working through the challenges of funding and providing resources in, in the best manner we can for us, for our students so i'd say funding probably remains a, a very a very a very important issue certainly for us and Anderson 1 and and and, and going forward how the state um, hopefully, funds and looks to continue to improve education funding. I, I'd say that's that's one priority. I think a second priority going forward that 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 we have uh, relentlessly focused on and is a high priority in Anderson one is teacher recruitment. Um, the teaching profession and the challenges um, continue to remain difficult. Um, it, it's, it's a it's a we think we have a very great, positive environment, work environment, learning environment in Anderson One. But teachers' jobs and any of education support professionals they're challenging, um, and 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 so teacher recruitment remains a very high priority for Anderson One. I think it's a it's a state priority. I think overall, you can possibly you could you could say certainly there will be a shortage of teachers in the future. So we want to make sure. Uh, Teachers, recruits, uh, new employees understand the culture of Anderson 1, understand how we function, how we work, and we want to create the most exciting, most positive, most enthusiastic learning culture in our district, so we'll attract the very best teachers. As I said, I think we understand better than most, there's nothing more important for a student than a highly effective teacher supported by highly effective leaders, um, again, primary principals and assistant principals working together in unison with a district office staff. So, so uh, funding and teacher recruitment for the future um, is uh, critical to education, and certainly uh, those priorities we want to make sure are, are 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 emphasized here within Anderson School District One. And I think I think thirdly, just to give you the importance and the um, value. Of a very talented, very competent school board, it, the value of that is is cannot ever be understated. And um, I'm just so pleased that in Anderson, one we benefit again from a well-informed, very cohesive, very caring school board that provides excellent leadership for our district, and most importantly, their decisions, their actions are are trusted by the patrons of Anderson School District 1.
3: so That's
2: good. Uh, I guess finally, if somebody's watching this and they're either new to the area or new to your district and they have kids, uh, what's the best way to find out more about? Uh,
0: um, many ways. Um, our schools are obviously open for business every day here in late July. They can certainly stop by and are doing so, uh, visiting schools. We have that going on right now. There's a lot of building... And new new folks moving in Anderson School District One um, with uh, many students, and they are currently visiting our schools, assessing them about where they want to come here. So that that's one way they can go to our district website and get any type of orientation information, beginning of the school information that is that is um, listed there as well as on the school websites. They're hat We're also welcome to come to our district office. We'll be glad to talk with them. We'll be glad to. Um, share information with them on any of our school districts uh they can go to our website and and google in or put in addresses and they can find where if they're purchasing purchasing a new house where that school is owned for and how the bus routes work and all that so there's a lot of online information but sometimes we find we like to give personal information we like to do that more of a personal format and the only way you do that is visiting the schools visiting district offices talking to us We think that one-on-one time, that personal communication um, is a good way to uh, share information and illustrate the culture of Anderson School District 1.
2: Here's what District 2 Superintendent Richard Rosenberger had to say about his district in the coming school year. Hi, I'm Richard Rosenberger, Superintendent of Anderson School District 2.
1: Uh, That is Belton and Honeypath communities that make up the school district. We have about 3,900 students total. Uh, Our high school is Belton-Honeypath High School. And if you haven't followed, we have won the state championship in baseball the last two years. But we do well in a lot of different areas, not just sports, but our arts and our academics, and we continue to thrive. We have uh, about $4.5 million in scholarships for our seniors last year that are going on to college. So we're excited about how they've uh, accomplished those things. We had a graduation rate this past year of about 86.5% well above the state average and well above the national average, so we're very proud of our kids and what they've accomplished in these areas. This will be my fourth year in uh, Anderson School District 2, and I'm excited about some of the challenges we have and look forward to some things we're going to be accomplishing this year. Uh, First of all, we are uh, in the process of uh, deploying or rolling out a one-to-one device for our secondary students, 6th through 12th grade. All of them will have a Chromebook that they'll be able to use. Uh, eventually, they'll be all taking them home, back and forth, and we know that's going to be a great tool, and that's all it is is a tool, but it's something that will allow them to be more engaged in their curriculum, uh, more up-to-date with some of the devices or with the the techniques and styles that our kids are learning with and how they're engaged. Uh, so we're excited what they're going to be doing. We're also excited about another One District, One Book program, the initiative that we're going to have coming out in the near future, and this program is to allow all of our students in our elementary to be reading the same book throughout. Uh, Our community is going to be involved. uh, So it's going to be a challenge throughout the whole district to be able to read because we know that reading has got to be one of the most important things our kids can accomplish. If they're not reading after third grade, they're going to struggle through the rest of the year. So that's so important for us is that our kids are excited and engaged with reading. Uh, another initiative we're looking forward to this year is we're going to create a leadership academy. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of uh, openings throughout our district because we only have seven schools. We have one high school, two middle schools, and four elementary. But we also know that it's important that we continue to put leaders out in this area because the requirements, the the needs for education and public education are so strong that we're, it's in our best interest we're always looking for the right people to be in the right place. We're excited about that possibility. And the last initiative that I want to share is an uh, initiative that we're actually in uh, starting this coming fall is with creating our own internships. Uh, many of our businesses are kind of hesitant to hire high school students for internships simply because of some liabilities or concerns they may have because these kids are underage. But we know that the best opportunity for our kids to be able to un- experience with the workforce looks like is get that experience early. So we're going to put our money where our mouth is and we're hiring four internship positions in the district that they're going to be working for the district while they're getting credit for that class but they're also getting paid and learning some skills that we hope will be productive for them in the future. A lot of neat things are happening built in Honeypath in the next school year and we hope that you'll be able to stay tuned and be a part of what's going on. We have a fabulous c- career center that our kids not only uh, go on and have some excellent skills they use to go into the workforce but many of them go on to colleges, the Clemsons, the South Carolinas, after the or their experience of the career center. Some of them are state-of-the-art programs. They uh, place throughout the state and in the nation. Uh, we have a culinary program that uh, continues to be one of the tops in the state uh, every year. We have about 500 of our kids will take at least one class at the Career Center each year, 500 of our high school kids. Uh, The Career Center itself makes up about 2,000 students and we share that one with Anderson School District 1. Uh, great program for our kids and we like to get them early and make sure they have an experience that they won't forget there. We continue to have different areas that are always going to be a challenge and one of our challenges we're seeing more and more of our students come to school Unprepared, they're lacking some of the skills uh, to move right into a kindergarten, a first grade class because there are so many demands that they meet standards that are come down from our, uh, the our federal government and also from our state government. And when we see kids come in that do not have those skills, there's a gap. And our one of our greatest challenges close that gap. Last year we had, um, for the first time, we had six full-time 4K classrooms, and that's about 120 kids and the ability for them to close that gap, to be able to gain some skills, now they are so much better prepared as they move into kindergarten and first grade in the next couple of years that we know that that's going to give them the heads up they needed. Uh, our kindergarten kids, uh, our 4K kids, need that experience because some of them have truly been left behind as far as some of the skills. And I'm rambling right there, so you need to put that up. Um, on the other end of the uh, spectrum, is our high school kids? Uh, we know for a fact that if you can, this day and time, if they cannot receive a diploma, they're going to struggle. And if they cannot get that diploma in high school, then the job opportunities are so limited for them after graduation. But we also know that our job does not end with handing them a diploma. The challenges is still great. What are they going to do when they go on to college? Are they being successful in college? Uh, this data will show that. Uh, over 50% of our kids that go on to college do not even go back after that second year. And it's important they get a degree, a degree that's going to be able, allow them to be productive in society and not be a burden on them for loans throughout the, uh, their future. So uh, we're continuing to help our kids as early as middle school understand making some of the right choices and making some of the right decisions on how to be best prepared going out into the workforce. We know that South Carolina's workforce is going to require at least a two-year education uh, for about 60 percent of our kids, and we only have about 35 percent of them are uh, are going that route now. So we need to continue to emphasize to our kids as they approach graduation that they'll be better prepared if they pursue jobs that are or pursue opportunities and education that will lead them into the jobs that are going to be available in the next couple of years. That Career Center is a great opportunity because now they're getting a skill set because many of these companies that are hiring, so we're hiring students, they're looking for skill sets. Uh, they need to be able to have some kind of, whether it's a manufacturing, or electronics, uh, auto mechanic skill set to be able to move right into the jobs that are paying extremely well. They just need some of those skill sets to get started. But they have to have that diploma first, and we'll always continue to work on to make sure they're uh, have that, uh, we're getting that diploma, and then we're moving them right into the workforce or to the next step, which may be college or military. One of the things we're very appreciative here in Anderson, too, is the sales tax. The sales tax has done an incredible job of helping us meet some of our smaller needs throughout the district. We do not have a need to build a new school. Our district is not growing by leaps and bounds that there should be a new school coming up. Yet, out of our seven schools, our newest school is the high school, which is over 50 years old today. So that creates its own set of issues where we continue need to upgrade, uh, renovate some of our buildings, provide some more projects for our kids to be more involved, uh, and that might have been adding extra practice fields, add a, adding extra band equipment. Um, we need to make sure our facilities or equipment are aesthetically appealing to our kids. They, we want them to want to be here at school. They want to take, we want them to take pride in the, uh, the furnishings that we offer to them. Because when a kid takes pride in their school, then really the, uh, the roof's atop. The I mean, they, they can go a long ways in enjoying the school and enjoying the education they're able to gain from their experience. One of the things I'm very pleased with is our relationship with our legislators and our uh, city, county, state government officials. Uh, whether it's um, Mike Gambrell, our senator, represents us, or will be our senator, uh, and now uh, Jay West is our representative, both of them are really public education friendly. They're, they're, they value what we do in public education. They support our schools. Uh, that's always going to be continue to be a issue as we go forward. Um, we are very appreciative of the funding that our government has continued to step up the last couple of years as a recovery from 2008, but we know there's more. And one of the things that I will continue to push is there are many mandates that have been put in place over the years that it, it also always appears that if there's a society for problems or there's some issues facing society, the best way to fix it is give it to the schools. Uh, I'm sure that's probably the one thing to think about, but it does take us away from our job of truly educating the students so they're prepared to go into uh, the workforce. Uh, There's a lot put on teachers' plates, and there's a lot required from them. And so as we work hand-in-hand with our elected officials, it's important to remember what's really important for our kids, what do they need to be able to accomplish while they're in schools? And I know that we have people that are work, we, we work really closely with that do value the same things as our staff, our teachers do. We have a lot of things that we're looking forward to doing this school year. As it's, as it's vastly approaching, but there's nothing more important than identifying and working with our population that drives us, and that is our students. Uh, we really value our students we have here. This is a rural community. Uh, but this is a community of kids that want to do well, that want to come to school, that want to be involved, and that want to make a difference. Um, our job is always to make sure that everything we do is it in the best interest of kids. Um, we want to make sure our resources are going to be designed so that they're making sure our kids will be successful. Uh, when we teach, when we provide our lessons, it should be about it shouldn't necessarily be about the test scores. Those are important, and we always want to make sure that we're up there as high as everybody else. But most, most importantly, we want to make sure, are we providing the equipment and the tools for our kids to go to that next step or that next level? Uh, I'm confident we are, but every day, every year is a challenge to make sure each kid will win here at Anderson School District 2. Anderson 2, as I've said already, is a rural community but it has a makeup of a lot of different um, people in the community. Uh, We do have a a minority population of black Americans that are about 15%, and uh, it's always in our best interest to make sure that we're reaching out to every single person or group in this community. Um, This is a tough time for our country right now, as there's, there's always a push for tolerance or diversity, and I think the most important thing we can do is always show that we are going to be a diverse community in our in our education and our working with kids and working with our community uh, we have reached out we know that we can do a better job we want to make sure that we're putting people in the place that will make a difference in every kid's life and uh, I think some of the challenges we've had in the last year is we're going to put make sure we find teachers that represent the kids that we have in this community uh, we want We know that it's important. Some kids need to see people that look like them, and that's maybe a challenge as far as recruiting, but it's still the most important thing is, are we giving our kids the best advantage
2: they can have? And here's what Kathy Hipps, who is superintendent of Anderson County School District 3, had to say about her district in the coming year.
4: I'm Kathy Hips. I'm the uh, new superintendent for Anderson School District 3. I've been in Anderson County School District 3 for 27 of my 28 years, um, going from high school teacher, guidance counselor, school administrator, and then I've been in this district office for 12 years in a variety of capacities. But this will be my first year as our superintendent, and I'm excited about the possibilities. Anderson School District 3 is a district that has five schools. We have three elementary schools, one middle school, and one high school. We have a student attendance of about 2,000 children and 2,000 to 3,000 children and I tell everybody we're the best kept secret in Anderson County. Our schools have, have been doing a variety of things. We have some initiatives going on at the elementary level in robotics. Uh, we've had jet toy teams that have gone to Michigan twice in the last five years in the national championships for jet toy. We've recently started robotics clubs in two of our elementary schools and we just put in a gateway to technology program in our middle school that will be up and running full blast this coming school year. We've always competed in the Lego robotics competitions, and so we're really excited about the STEM programs we have going on, but that will also be an emphasis that we will go further with in the next few school years. For our high school, we have four pathways through Tri-County Tech, that allows students to get high school credit and college credit while they're completing high school. And once they get that college credit in one of those courses, the mechatronics program, students actually go through Tri-County Technical College graduation and they graduate with first semester for mechatronics or industrial electronics. And they also graduate with a technology operator certificate. So that's one program that we're proud of for getting kids ready for the world of work. We also have a pathway with trial County for HVAC and welding. Um, through Piedmont Technical College, we have a program for agriculture students to get 12 hours of college credit through Piedmont Tech that once they leave our campus can be articulated with other colleges to use in their credit programs. This year we had uh, three schools achieve Palmetto Gold status Crescent High School, star Middle School, and Star Elementary School were all Palmetto Gold. Star- Star-Iva Middle School was also Palmetto Silver for uh, closing the achievement gap, which is uh, just showing that we're getting all levels of students on grade level and beyond. So those were good recognitions for us. Of course, in our district, we have some building projects going on with the penny sales tax. We are about to complete Phase 1 of our building program, which includes a new baseball field that's now on the Crescent High School campus, a FFA arena for our agricultural program that we think will allow us to host many regional, state, and national events on our campus. We've made upgrades to our other athletic facilities. We've uh, redone and repainted three of our gym floors, and we've also done a major renovation Um, in our high school media center so what you'll see is many of our facilities looking even better and in our next phase which we're getting ready we're in the planning stages now we're going to build a new field house and revamp and upgrade our football stadium so those facilities in the next year or so we'll see some major improvements also for our community yes the Anderson Institute of Technology is will be a game changer for Anderson School District 3. What it will do, it will allow our children to have many more opportunities for career and technology education. Presently in our high school we have five completer programs. And by being a part of the Anderson Institute of Technology and opening that up, we our children will have the opportunity to be a part of 20 to 30 completer programs. So the the possibilities there are are much greater for for our children in tying education to the world of work, which is one one thing we have to do, graduating college and career ready students. Uh, the 16-17 year at our high school we've been working on high school redesign and so this year we've in, integrated into our high school schedule an extra time period of 40 minutes where we have lots of flexibility to do things. We can expand the time for some of our AP classes. We can do some ACT prep work. We can do some remediation if we need to do some remediation, especially in math or English. And that's one thing that is giving us greater flexibility. Another thing we're doing at the middle and High School level is trying to utilize virtual opportunities a lot more and doing some blended learning opportunities, especially in... Um, some of our KATE classes, one of our KATE classes in particular, Health Science, we lost our teacher this year and so that program will be offered a combination of direct instruction, blended learning, virtual school and then some field experience, clinical type opportunities where children actually go off campus. So what we're trying to do is utilize technology to the fullest to give our children more opportunities. In our elementary schools, we're trying to have a more defined STEM program so that there's not just pockets of STEM activities in this school or that school, but that all of our elementary schools are doing a consistent look at STEM and offering consistent STEM offerings. When you think about the issues in education, uh, the big issue that always comes up is funding. Um, There's never enough funds to do what we need to do. Um, In our district, the penny sales tax has helped a lot us be able to upgrade some of our buildings and things like that, but we we still have some, some building needs. But if you take funding off the table, I think our biggest challenge in education is to graduate students who are ready for careers, ready for college, or both. And so, you know, that seems very simple, but when you look at it, there's so many factors that go into it. But it's really providing the education that each individual child needs to be successful and providing what they need to overcome whatever obstacles they come to us with. So our greatest challenge in education is is using the funds that we have, but to make sure we dial those down to individual students and meet those needs so that as they move through our programs, once they come out of our programs as graduates, they're college ready, they're career ready, they're both because what we want to give our society is responsible citizens and productive people to be in the workforce. And so that's our greatest challenge in education is to take what we have, use it to our best of ability to graduate students ready to to take their place in society. Everything we do in Anderson School District 3, I want to be student focused. You sometimes hear the term laser focus. I want us to have a laser focus on students in the classroom. My thought is that the magic happens in the classroom. We're all else here to support that. Every other occupation in our district, it all comes down to making the best environment for that teacher to teach that student so that that student can be successful. Uh, The best way to get to know District 3 is, uh, one, just drive down here. We'll take you on a tour of our schools. Of course, we have websites that will tell you about our area. Um, you look at our website, and what you'll realize about Anderson 3 is that we're a rural school district. We have the smallest population in Anderson County, but the, the largest geographical area. And so when you come to Anderson 3, you're going to see some beautiful land. You'll see some nice facilities. And, uh, but the best way to get to know us is just call us, come see us, talk to us, and let us tell you who we are. As an educator for 28 years, I, sh- I believe that it's our calling to teach our children the best we can. And uh, I have a quote, signature quote on my email that says, on your worst day, you're someone's best hope. And that's what I try to remind our employees every day, is that we're here to give hope for students for a bright future. And so that's really what I want Anderson Three to be about. Students focused students first, because that's why we're here
2: also talked to another new superintendent, Anderson County School District 4 Superintendent, Joanne Avery.
5: I'm Joanne Avery, and I'm the proud superintendent of Anderson School District 4, which is located in Pendleton, South Carolina. Um, our school district is a small school district. We're about 3,000 students. We're comprised of six schools, four elementary schools, one middle school, and our high school is Pendleton High School. Um, I would say there are some amazing, extraordinary things that are happening in our school district, uh, it has been high-achieving for many years. Um, there's predecessors before me that have truly laid the foundation for excellence. Um, and we have learned from that era and, and are certainly um, greeting the new challenges with uh, innovation and creativity in ways to really ensure that our students are going to be ready for the 21st century. Um, one of the things that the state has worked very hard on over the last um, couple of years is um, State Department, South Carolina Association of School Administrators, the South Carolina Chamber of Commerce, is to really look at what is the profile of the graduate and what do our graduates need to be successful when they leave us in high school. Um, And so there's clearly content needs and being able to be um, conversational in multiple languages. Uh, STEM, science, technology, um, engineering, mathematics, understanding. But then you also have soft skills in terms of, you know, good work ethic, punctuality, all the things that you need in the world of work to be successful. As well as, um, I call them the four C's, but those areas that are so invaluable that we teach, you know, when our four-year-olds start entering in the doors of our schools. And that is, you know, how to collaborate how to be creative, communication, and critical thinking. And so all those things are really where um, where we are focused on to ensure that our graduates, when they leave us, they if they choose to go to a two-year or four-year school, they have the skills to be successful. Or if they want to go straight into the world of work, they have what the industry needs. Um, so, you know, I'm excited about Anderson and we've had lots of signs of achievement and I I would like to share a couple of those. I think um, academically when we look at test results our schools are performing exceptionally well and are usually in the top ten to twelve school districts in the state whether it's state testing or national testing. Um, We clearly um, have done well on the Palmetto Gold Awards in terms of overall academic achievement but also closing the gap between those you know, um, our different ethnicities and gender, um, in terms of the students that we serve. Um, In addition to that, um, we've had a lot of focus on health and wellness in our school district. And in the past six years, we've worked very hard to ensure that our schools have a healthy environment uh, for our students and our employees um, to actually work and function at. Um, And I'm proud to say that um, as of last year, We're the only school district in the state of South Carolina that has all of its schools that have achieved a national award through the Alliance for a Healthier Generation um, that is quite difficult to get um, in multiple areas that demonstrate we're doing good things for students and and we believe that a healthy student is a better student. Um, We know that a healthy student um, has better attendance, behavior, focus, and performance. So I'm not sure that's a silver bullet but we clearly do value the wellness of, of our students and also our employees and so we are doing things to really support that effort. Another uh, important initiative are things that are happening in our district uh, as we look at the whole child um, are those programs that, that teach all these characteristics and you know, job skills um, through extracurricular activities. And I think we've demonstrated in multiple areas that our students are really achieving at the state and national level. We had, um, our band was runner up in the state once again. Um, we've also had um, multiple state and national awards that have been achieved by our um, FFA program and Ag program at the high school. Um, as well as our archery program has brought home three state um, back-to-back um, championships um, at the middle school level. And most recently um, we had two students at the high school that for the very first time ever um, brought home national, the top first place award at the National um, Skills USA competition and that was competing against thousands of students from all over the nation. So hopefully I'm painting a picture of that there's lots of opportunities here but we also have um, some very high achieving students and outstanding employees and teachers that are really um, pushing the bar to ensure that our students are performing and achieving at a very high level. Um, this past year we've been very busy since the one cent sales tax in 2014 that got passed, um, 20% of that revenue is to pay down debt service so to help all of our taxpayers with you know lower property taxes um, countywide, but for districts 3, 4, and 5 um, some of that revenue has been earmarked for a new career center which has a name now, it's called the Anderson Institute of Technology and it will be located in Anderson School District 5 on the existing Lakeside Middle School property. Uh, It's uh, an outstanding location because of the proximity to Tri-County Tech. Uh, Many of the pathways that we start at a Career and Technical Center um, have a natural flow or pathway to the two-year institute, and in our case, Tri-County. And so by having it within walking distance for our students, it's really going to be a game changer because not only are they going to be allowed to um, leave the institute as a high school graduate with industry certification, but they can actually continue their education and leave um, Tri-County Tech with an associate degree. So it really is a game changer. This past year, we spent a lot of time focusing on not so much what students were interested in, in terms of classroom offerings or course offerings at the center, but in addition, what really did Anderson County need in terms of supplying the pipeline for the workforce? And so we worked very closely with folks from the Anderson County Economic and Development Office, and we actually retained a consultant to come in and to help us navigate those conversations And so fast forward to this last June, we ended up with a better design, a physical design of the center that truly is going to meet the needs, not just of our students, but of Anderson County in terms of supplying um, employees that can just plug right into the workforce. Um, So the design was approved, but we also have approved all the course offerings. And so it really is going to be a combination of tailoring to the Uh, industry that we have here in Anderson County, as well as um, interests that students have in careers of the future. Um, Most recently, and we're very excited about this, is that we've started the conversation with business and industry in Anderson Anderson County to um, gain some partners um, as we move towards the opening of the Career Center, which will be in August of 2019. Um, That seems a long way away, but honestly, it's not. (laughs) It'll be here before we know it, and there are so many things, as you can imagine, with collaborating three districts that operate very differently, um, coming together to consensus so that we all, you know, have that same vision. Um, But recently, Michelin agreed to be a partner, and so they will be very instrumental in coming in and helping us with the design of our Megatronics lab so that it it is fits the um, industry standard of what an employee that they have is working within their um, um, place of business. So we're very excited about growing those partnerships and really creating um, a super solution um, that's really going to help the economy here in Anderson County. Um, next steps for the Career Center really are looking at Preparing a job uh, announcement that will go out next fall sometime, and we are going to look for a director um, at the national level. We really we need a seasoned veteran, someone that understands um, career and technology education, understands um, how to interface with business and industry, it really can be that spokesperson as well. And so we will post that position in the fall and then come back and hopefully have that person hired and in place by July 1 of 2017. And that is the date that our architects have told us that we will actually begin moving dirt and starting the construction. It's a very high-tech facility, so it will take clearly two years to get that facility built. In looking at the jobs of today and the future, um, we continue to hear the same message. And it's really a paradigm shift for parents, and and I'm a parent too. Um, We all want the best for our kids, and we think the four-year degree is the pathway. But more and more, we look at the statistics, and the reality is uh, students that go to a four-year college, um, I don't know what the percentage is that actually are successful, but it's somewhere around maybe 40 to 50%, something like that. Um, when they leave, they all don't get jobs. And so there's a high percentage that remain unemployed, and they also then carry all the debt that they incurred when they were in college. Uh, What we're seeing from the job market and the studies is that the majority of the jobs are really requiring a two-year associate degree and um, work key certification. And so that's a different message for our parents um, that, Really, if you want high-paying jobs and you want to ensure your child, you know, doesn't have exorbitant debt and you want to be able to have um, some flexibility in your job search because there are opportunities, the real pathway that is successful is through the associate program, a two-year degree. Um, And there's jobs that are available that are high-paying, hourly jobs that you can get right out of high school. And one of the things that um, I've heard so often is that there's another way to get to a four-year degree. Because many industries, and Michelin is a wonderful example, um, you get employed after your two-year degree, and then they have 100% reimbursement for getting that four-year degree. So I think it's education of the community, but clearly parents and students, um, sharing where the jobs are and what opportunities and advantages there are, But also, if that four-year degree is that um, driving focus, that there's another way to get there um, that we think is is probably more successful than straight out of high school. Um, 16-17 is is, going to be an extraordinary year, and I use that word because there are so many exciting things that are happening in Anderson 4. Um, Probably the biggest um, rollout this year is the the continued conversation of our long-range facilities plan. We spent last year really um, interfacing in the community. We held 14 community meetings to talk about what's happening in our district, what the needs are, um, and where we need to head. Um, And part of that conversation was looking at how we were going to spend our one-cent sales tax money that we have additionally outside of the Career Center to spend on, you know, some needed projects. Um, The board now is is really faced with looking at next steps on how to handle some pretty significant renovation needs that we have district-wide, as well as um, whether or not the time is right to look at the construction of a new middle school or a new high school. So that's pretty uh, important conversation um, and certainly exciting because with new construction comes new opportunities um, for our students here and we feel also it's, you know, based on need, but also it's a real game changer for our community. Um, Much like in Anderson County, we're experiencing the same trend uh, related to the increase in retirees coming into the county. And so as we look at our enrollment numbers, we're very flat and have been for the last 10 years, and we're projected to stay that way. So we're not attracting young families with children uh, as much as we are seniors that are looking for a great place to retire. Um, but we think that, obviously, one of the benefits, additionally, um, with a new school is that it does attract families into the area. So, so that conversation will continue, as well as decision, decisions on how we're going to spend the one-cent sales tax. And we have lots of needs from a new track to new boos- baseball field to playgrounds, things that are important um, that we need district-wide. The next um, extraordinary thing that's happening in Anderson 4 is the final rollout of our One to World initiative. And that really is um, putting a device, a digital device, in every student's hands. Um, And this is the final rollout so that as of this August, students in grades 2, second grade, all the way through 12th, will have their own device. And students in grades 4 and up will be able to carry that device you know, back and forth from school to home. And we're very excited about that. Um, that was never an inst- it has not been an instant initiative. We've been on this journey for six to eight years. Uh, it includes lots of research and training with students and teachers and professional development. And, you know, really a conscientious um, effort to pick the right device, but, but we're very excited. We've already seen the benefits of having that type of technology in our students' hands. Because, again, it goes back to the profile of 21st Century that that doesn't replace good teaching, but it's a wonderful resource to help with collaboration and creativity and critical thinking and all the things that are so important. Not to mention that technology skills are so essential in the workplace, whether you drive a forklift, you interface with two or three screens that are computers or you're an executive, you know, you still have to be able to have those skills um, to work with technology. Um, Another very exciting project that um, uh, will be taking another year and expanding somewhat uh, is our mentoring program at the high school. Um, Last year I had the opportunity to speak with um, many of our African-American faith-based leaders in the community, and they were very concerned with... um, not so much about the African male graduating, although you know, that was some of the conversation, but more about ensuring that once they did graduate, they had the motivation and the vision to get a job and not be on the streets. And so we talked about, you know, some possible solutions, but clearly one of the most powerful solutions that has been documented for years is mentorship. And we've done mentoring in a lot of ways, but this year we elevated or expanded our mentoring program at the high school. Um, we recruited, or the high school recruited, you know, close to 40 adults, many of them African-American males, some were females like myself, you know, it, it, it was across the board. And, and we really looked at students that needed a mentor in their life, but for the African-American males, and we had, I think, 11 this year, we were able to um, connect with the Commie Mister program at Clemson University. And those misters came to the campus on a weekly basis and added a second layer of mentorship. Um, That relationship even included visits of the high school students to Clemson University with the mentors. And, you know, for many of our students, there was only a one or two year difference. And they would look at the mister and they would say, wow, I'd like to be here and go to school at Clemson. You know, is that possible for me? And they would just respond by saying, sure, you just have to work hard, you know, be a good student, you know, and and do your job as a high school student. That can be your dream too. And so we saw initially a real change in our students' vision of what was possible. So we're very excited to continue that relationship and and to see how that's going to grow and hopefully impact these students who may not have ever had college on the radar, but now they see that there's some hope for that, and they can see that they themselves could be just like a Mister. So we're, you know, that that's going to be an exciting thing to continue to watch. Lastly, I'd, I'd like to share something that we started last year. We had um, Anderson Four had created uh, Four Kids Foundation, a 501c3, um, back in 2007, and it was based on a couple of donations. Um, that we receive from in, in the community. And it has huge bylaws, a board, a governing board, and to be honest with you, the, the foundation just sort of sat. It never really was used, the money was never spent, and it just, it, you know, is sitting. And so I went to the board and, and approached the board and said, I'd, I'd really like to be able to use that money to fund a couple things. Clearly, it all goes back to the student. But to provide the additional money that teachers may need to do that little above and beyond experience, learning experience for the classroom, but also for those programs that come to the superintendent on a frequent basis that need, you know, $2,000 for a field trip to go to New York or to Boston or wherever. Um, But this gave me a a very um, structured process instead of subjectively just approving one and then when we run out of money, we can't. You know, we can't do you. So the board was great with that. We um, went ahead and put the board back in action, uh, uh, the foundation board, um, talked about the new focus, and then um, I had to create a revenue stream, a way for uh, me to be able to put money back in instead of spin down. And so we did our first color run last year, which was amazing to see 500 people for the first time um, out excited, all colored up from the paint, but having enthusiasm over being physically active because we have such a huge obesity issue here in south carolina I mean we 're number two in the, the nation for or yeah in the nation for childhood obesity. So the event was powerful in terms of you know just the excitement, but we raised twelve thousand and five hundred dollars, which was a lot of money, and we were able to put all that money back into the foundation and then um, had a um, grant application process, and we then awarded the board, evaluated those um, applications, and we awarded seven teacher mini-grants that were capped at $2,500, and then two students at Pendleton High School received $1,000 scholarships. So I'm thrilled with that, because I think that is so important, um, you know, to provide that type of resource for our students and our teachers is very significant. So our color run this year will be on September 15th um, at the high school at 430. Uh, registration will start in August and there'll be a big web presence in a way for folks to donate money um, as well as if they just want to come out and run the race, or it's not really a race, but just be a part of the experience they can do that. Um, Anderson 4, and I've, I've worked you know in other districts. Um, the one thing that is such a unique um, quality or characteristic of this district is that it's small um, and it it has such a um, intense protection uh, to protect those family values and that sense of community. And so when folks come here, they really feel that sense of community. They really feel that, you know, they're a bulldog and they feel that connectivity. Um, But they also see, because we are such a high-performing school district, that we attract high-quality people that um, fill these positions. And, you know, I was in HR here for 12 years, um, and I know that our teachers are exceptional. And, And those are the hands that are really doing the work when it comes to the learning, student learning. And I'm just excited to see what's going to happen in the next couple years of how we're going to continue to see even more extraordinary things happen here in Anderson 4. And I do believe it's because of the people.
2: And finally, I talked to Anderson County School District 5 Superintendent Tom Wilson, who has been on the podcast before. It's Anderson County's largest district, and here's what he had to say about his district now.
3: My name's Tom Wilson, Superintendent Anderson School District 5. I'm beginning my fourth year as superintendent in Anderson, uh, my 39th year in public education. Anderson School District 5, we have, we have approximately 13,000 students, about 1,800 employees, which makes us one of the larger, larger employers in Anderson County. We have 25 school sites, that includes elementary school, our career center, charter school, all middle schools, high schools, um, we, um, we have two, high, two traditional high schools. We also have a magnet school, Southwood Academy of Arts, which is a standalone magnet for 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. But we have over 500 high school students who take one or more classes there as an elective. Um, so we're, um, we're, we're able to... So technically, if you're in our, one of our high schools, you've got three campuses, four campuses where you can take a class. Uh, you can take, if you're a Hanna student, you theoretically could take a class at Westside, a class at Southwood, and also classes at our Career Center.
2: Tell me some little bragging points about your school. What are some of the good things going on in District 5 people might not know about?
3: about? Well, there's several things we're excited about this year. Number one, we were able to pass this year's budget without a tax increase. In fact, uh, property taxes will decrease in District 5 because of the rollback with the sales tax and us not increasing operational tax, which is the first time um, District 5 has been able to do that in a long, long time, and we're, we're excited to do that. Our revenue from our sales tax, which was passed two years ago, uh, is coming in higher than projected, uh, which is a good thing. You may recall that 20% of that money is going to roll back property indebtedness that everyone pays on property, whether on their home, on their business, uh, if you own multiple homes. So that's going to be a tax savings for everyone that owns property. Uh, But those numbers are coming in very, very strong. We've got, right now, we've got about 17 projects going on. Some are large, uh, like uh, building of the field houses at both high schools. We're finishing the renovations on the stadiums. We put roofs on Hannah and Westside. We're finishing those projects as I speak. We're doing some major work at Project Challenge Playhouse uh, with some new storage facilities, creating a new facade on the outside of that, uh, and I would encourage anyone, if you've ever ever been to one of those plays, to go. It's, you'll be, it's they're quite impressive. It involves students from all all our schools are involved in that. Uh, we're expanding Robert Anderson Middle School with a, uh, like a twenty eight classroom addition and renovations to the cafeteria, and preparations for closing Lakeside Middle School, uh, which this will be the last year that Lakeside will be in existence. Next year all those students will be at, um, at, at Robert Anderson and that will be the site of the new joint Anderson District 3, 4, and 5 Career Center. Uh, we have the preliminary plans done, all three boards uh, and superintendents have signed off on that. It's going to be a quite impressive facility and what is unique about that facility, it's going to be adjacent to Tri-County Technical College. So in essence, it'll be one campus and it will be an asset not only to us, but also Tri-County Tech, as we work to develop closer partnerships with them. We could not have done this without the sales tax that was passed. It's been remarkable, and uh, and I'm confident in 15 years when this sales tax expires, the, the community will, will, will renew it because of all the good work that's been done. Hopefully people have seen those signs that say, you know, your penny at work. We we also completed a new roof at McCants. McCants uh, Middle School is our, one of our older schools, needed a lot of work. Uh, we are going to keep that facility um, and we're going to do some renovations of that. We have looked at uh, selling part of the frontage there on 81. We've had a lot of interest in that because that's very valuable property. We're in the process of having that surveyed uh, at, at this very moment. Um, what I'm most proud of other than you know we, we're certainly excited about where we are financially. Uh, we're in great shape with our fund balance which is our savings account which you need so you don't have to go borrow money to make payroll but our projected graduation numbers really really look strong uh, at all three sites at Hanna uh, at Westside and at our charter school. Those aren't official yet, but I think the community will be very pleased. I know I am from what I've seen, and, and, and that's, that's really the bottom line. You know what? How many students are you graduating in four years from the day they enter the ninth grade? So we're excited about that. Uh, we're in the process of designing the new Fine Arts Center for uh, Southwood Academy of the Arts. That was on... Our, our promotional literature that we did for the sales tax. So everything on that we told the community we were going to do, the money's been earmarked. We're confident we'll have the money to do it. We've got contingencies in place to make that happen. So academically, we're strong. Uh, in arts, we're, we're moving ahead. Our chamber choir continues to impress uh, audiences all over. They sang at Carnegie Hall in May, and that numbers continues to grow. Uh, our band programs are growing. Uh, we all know the marquee of the T.L. Hanna Band. Uh, we have putting some money into our band programs with new uh, equipment, uh, new instruments, uh, new storage facilities, um, and, and the third leg of the academics, arts, and athletics. Uh, both our athletic programs at both high schools have shown tremendous improvement as the community well knows from our football teams last year, and we're excited about um, the prospects for the coming year athletically. Um, and, and Our new weight rooms have really paid huge dividends to have strength and conditioning coaches for our, for our male and female athletes. And I think the community is going to see rapid gains in what our female athletes are doing because of better training, better conditioning, and uh, we're excited to be a part of it and we've got a lot of men and women that are ver- working very hard to continue to move Anderson 5 forward and in all those areas, academics, arts and athletics. In August of 19, our plan is to open the new Anderson Institute of Technology, which is a joint career center between Anderson Districts 3, 4 and 5. We have uh, worked closely with business and industry to develop the pathways Uh, We've worked with economic development here in Anderson County. We actually hired a consultant to work with us who was recently named Career and Technical Education uh, Director of the Year in South Carolina. She's been our point person, putting all those pieces together to what do we need to offer, what is Michelin telling us, what is Bosch telling us, what are all those industries like that, telling us they're going to need. And we've tried to marry those relationships together so that when kids go through that new institute of technology, the goal is where they'll have multiple options. Some will go straight into the world of work. Some will go to Tri-County Tech. Some will go to Clemson or Georgia Tech and become engineers or, you know, in medicine and different things. You know, what the community needs to understand is every student needs to go through a pathway at, that, at the New Anderson Institute of Technology, whether they're gonna be a doctor, a veterinarian, an attorney, uh, a welder, because all those pathways lead to employment at some level. And, and that's the goal that uh, when students graduate, they got multiple options that will lead to gainful employment to build our economy and build this community and create more high-paying jobs. It's hard to move a community ahead with low-paying jobs. And it will be high-tech. It will be the kind of skills that attract businesses to come here because most industry, when they look at a community, they look at a lot of things, but they look at what's the public schools like, what are our opportunities to have a, a skilled workforce, and we believe this is going to fit nicely with where this county wants to go and, and really where the upstate's going. So it, it's very timely that it's being completed at this time. We wish it would be finished now. Uh, but um, we, we're having to enlarge Robert Anderson first. Before we build that, it's going to be about 128,000-square-foot facility. Um, we believe it will give an uplift of 28 bypass. Uh, And hopefully this structure will lead to other positive growth on on the the 28 bypass corridor Um, because it's going to really uplift everything over here as far as a modern facility, and we believe it's going to really be the uh, shot in the arm to develop other growth. Yeah, you know, there's still a mindset in a lot of people that, well, if I don't go to college, I'm going to be working... Way well, it was like working in a cotton mill in the fifties and sixties. Well, manufacturing has changed significantly. You you go in a lot of manufacturing now; it's total difference, high tech, robotics. Um, you go in a you know a BMW plant, or you go into any IKEA plant that that I was involved in in Georgia. It's it's highly skilled, highly uh, technical. Manufacturing, uh, where you know the skills are different. You know we we've moved away from that. Someone standing over you telling you exactly what to do. Now what folks in, tell me, employers, we need people with good uh, success skills, which I call showing up on time, you know, working as a team, being able to communicate, um, keeping a positive attitude. And then they'll develop those other skills. So, um, and all those soft skills, as they're referred to, but I call them success skills, are embedded in everything that will be in this in this career center. They'll be embedded in all the pathways. You know, teamwork, communication, problem solving. That's that is significantly different than what manufacturing was fifty years ago. We've we've had some. Manufacturing in this area tell us we 'll hire every student that goes through the mechatronics pathway because we just can 't find them, which is advanced manufacturing you know involves a lot of a lot of those skills in advanced manufacturing, so we think it 's going to be a great, great opportunity for Anderson, not only for our students but for the economic development side and um, And when that we all win. You know moving forward obviously we 've got a lot of these construction projects we've got to finish you know you always have a challenge in education um, you know how do we keep up with the technology changes you know right now every student in fifth grade through twelfth ha- is a Chromebook uh, you know all digital we, we're, we're you know, I think one of our challenges is how do we make more teachers embrace that because not only do is it a change for the students, but it's a big change for a lot of our instructors, our teachers. So we work hard on, you know, bringing them along. So, you know, a lot of the younger teachers, you know, it, it's, they, they, you know they may have had it in college and things. So we've got to focus our professional development along those lines and then keep up with the changes. You know, the shelf life of, te- shelf life of technology is not real long. And so how do you stay ahead of the curve? Do you look at purchase? Do you look at lease? So all those kind of decisions have to be made. Um, the other challenge that we're going to have is, and, and anything that happens in the greater society filters into public schools. You know, We all know what our country is going through now, you know, divisiveness. Um, you know, how do we deal with that to embrace diversity, embrace change, and make it in a way that's positive because that's the world our students are going to live in. We're going to become more diverse. We're not going to be less, Uh, whether it's, you know, religion, whether it's uh, race, whatever it is. That's the world that our kids are going to have to compete in. So, you know, we've got to do more talking about those issues um, and, and, you know, you know, the political divisiveness that we're seeing in the country? How do we get through all that so it doesn't filter down and become a divisive issue in schools? And um, so I think that's going to be a challenge. Um, you know, we're, we're the most diverse. We have the highest poverty. Um, and hopefully as these jobs improve and salaries improve, and you know, we, we can get at that. And another big challenge is how do you break the cycle of generational poverty? Um, You know, if you have a child, you know, statistics are clear. You know, mom and dad at home, mom and dad, whatever education level they have, directly impacts the child. And we've got some children that, that we call couch children that sleep on a different couch every night can be an aunt, it can be a relative, it could be whatever. And how do you ensure those kids have the same success as the kids that mom and dad, they sleep on clean sheets, they eat as a family, they know where they're next, they've never worried about being hungry. And so how do you ensure that all those kids get the same quality education when they're all bringing different, they're all bringing different things to school? And it's not just us; it's nationwide. I mean, we're seeing this, and um, and a lot of it is just understanding poverty. You know, we've got great success with some students, but some students we don't. And um, and it's about hiring caring teachers, and um, and supporting them, and and letting them do their job to meet the needs of students. And um, so that that's a huge challenge and hopefully someday that will improve but you know right now it's 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 a major problem and one of the things we stress here is that every decision we make needs to be in the best interest of children now you'll hear every school district in America say that but unfortunately sometimes educators they make decisions what's best for adults and but we 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 preach that all the time you know, it's not about what's right for adults. It's what's best for the child and uh, where do they need to be because yes. if we don't do our job right as educators, ultimately we're going to pay for it because you can look at what's happening in, in the country with the aging of America, the number of retirees per worker and what, how that's changing and if we don't do a good job so we can have kids that can be successful and be gainfully employed, we're, we're going to get to the point where there are going to be more people riding the train than pulling the train. And those that are going to be pulling it are going to be paying more into Social Security, more into Medicare, more into Medicaid, because there's going to be less workers per people receiving it. So that's why it's imperative that we, we graduate kids, who can be employed, uh, whether it's a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a welder, a pipe fitter, or HVAC, but jobs that are high-skilled and, and can support a family and educate their children so we can continue this great experiment that started over 200 years ago called the United States. You know, we're the only country in the world that educates every child and it's a huge challenge to have equity and excellence because every child's different they come from different backgrounds different strengths different weaknesses and 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 I you know it just flies all over me when well let's compare us to Finland or you know wherever well we don't turn anybody away and we educate every child and that's a very it's costly to do that it's a challenge to do that but it's the right thing to do that. And, and I think that's something we should all be proud of. And, um, and I think we need to have more of those conversations with the general community to understand what not only educators are up against, but our society is up against. That if we don't get it straight, you know, the first 200 years may be better than the next 200. And I think that's the ultimate challenge.
2: I have great respect for superintendents and what they do. A lot of people complain about uh, too many uh, supervisors, too much overhead, all these things. But I can tell you, my my brother is a superintendent over in Georgia County, in White County, Georgia. And I can tell you how many hours these folks work. Uh, It's 60, 80-hour work weeks. And that's not just during the school year. It's year-round. They're responsible for everything from the kids in the classroom to the teachers to uh, buses and everything else. Ultimately, the buck stops with them. So we've got... Five folks doing a great job here in Anderson County, and when you hear people complaining about them, um, think about all the things they have to do. And if you do, want, do you have a, a child in any of those districts, go meet with the superintendent. They'll be glad to set up a time to talk to you, and I know that they uh, are glad school's back in session because every single one of them said that we're here because of the kids, and we're glad to get it going again. So it should be a great school year, and I, I hope to catch up with all these superintendents again mid-year, which will be here soon enough because, as we said, it's only 125 days until Christmas, and Anderson County got some good news on the holiday front this week. Some very generous volunteers have offered to step up and take over the annual charity light display, which has for years been known the Lights of Hope. Um, it is The person who started it and had been running it, Ben Phillips, has announced earlier this year he was moving to a new position and been trying to find somebody to buy it and take over, but it didn't happen in time. So this year is going to be taken over by volunteers. It is a charity event. It is run to raise money for a number of local charities, and it is a Christmas a Christmas event that is still uh, looking for a full-time buyer and somebody who will take it over as a, as a vocation. If that's you, let them know. Probably the easiest way to contact us on Facebook. But I'm glad somebody took it over because it is a great place to drive through with your friends, family, and if you've got kids to see Santa Claus and all that. And it runs from the day after Thanksgiving through Christmas Eve. So glad lights so of of hopes coming back. And with Christmas on the way, don't forget, it is time to check with AIM about adopting a family for the holidays. Um, it's not too early. Churches, Sunday school classes, small groups, book clubs, garden clubs, civic groups, golf buddies, anybody can help. Give them a call at 226-2273 or visit them on Facebook for more details. It's a good time to start getting that list going because the more people who sign up early to help a family, the more families they can help during the holiday season. And Foothills Alliance is also planning for their Christmas event. Uh, They have the annual Festival of the Trees, which is a really cool event that raises funds for their organization. And they're looking for any group or individuals that are willing to donate a fully decorated tree that can be used at their auction. Um, and their auction's in November, so they're going to do that in time to help folks for the holidays. Uh, they're having their first meeting this week, and they'll be ready to start talking about it. Give them a uh, visit on Facebook, that's Foothills Alliance, or give them a call at 231 to volunteer to get more information about Festival of the Trees. That's Festival of the Trees. is one of their big things every year. And it's really not too early to... Uh, plan to help the less fortunate neighbors in, in our area this year. So start saving your money and planning now on how many families or how many folks you think you can help. And finally, I want to finish up this week with a think before you speak uh, moment. Uh, we had several citizens at Anderson County Council meetings making comments about different things in recent days, and one of them was making a comment about he was against the hospitality tax, and but he drifted off into other territories. Uh, He made a comment that I just kind of couldn't let go here, and I wanted to mention it. I'm not going to mention the person's name, but um, he mentioned in passing the news story about that was advising folks to eat less largemouth bass from Lake Hartwell because of possible contaminations, and this citizen, who was using this news to oppose the hospitality tax, suggested that this is a real blow to the national bass tournaments at Green Pond Landing. Well, obviously, this citizen has never attended an event at Green Pond, nor has he paid attention to anything else about it or if he did go out there because all of the fish in those tournaments are part of the catch and release plan and not part of the frying pan plan so you know pay attention it's it's once again it's really good to have a good showing where all citizens should be encouraged to participate in local government and state government national government Um, but they will be unlikely to make very much of a mark any of us if we don't know what we're talking about when we speak So perhaps the folks on the national level could heed this as well, including our various candidates. Well, that's about it for the August 21st, 2016 edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast, News from People You Trust. We'll be back on our regularly weekly schedule next week, and we'll have some new guests to talk to you. We're going to talk a little bit more about history. We've got some books coming out from local folks on history. One of them is is Brian Scott, who we've had on the podcast recently, talking about his new book, A Day in the Life of Anderson, Volume 1. And the other is Catherine Smith, who came on talking about her book last spring. We'll have her on about her book about um, Missy LeHan, who was uh, the chief of staff for FDR. She's written a book that's getting a lot of good publicity. And Catherine Smith is a good writer, and we look forward to having her back on and talk about it. She's going to debut that September 13th at the Anderson County Museum. So be sure to keep that on your calendar. And join us again here next week as we're back on our regular schedule for the Anderson Observer Podcast, News from People You Trust. And until then, get out and do something to make Anderson County a better place.